Hey, welcome back. It is Mark Tui in for Rush Me Dinner today. Enjoy my time with you. I hope uh, you're getting a little bit of something out of it. This topic... Uh, I think it's important, and uh, it's important to me personally. I think it's important to a lot of you because I've interacted with many of you over the years about uh, Canada's military, uh, the war in Afghanistan, and, uh, you know, the the lives of our soldiers, men and women, veterans afterwards, and the work that they did over there. And I want to talk to you now about a book which I think uh, you, like me, would love to read. It is a three-volume history called The Canadian Army in Afghanistan. And Afghanistan is Canada's longest war. We had tens of thousands of soldiers go through there, thousands of soldiers wounded, 158, I think, uh, Canadians uh, killed there. But it was a hell of a war on a distant land. And I'm thrilled that there is now sort of an all-encompassing book written about our time there. I was in Afghanistan for a little bit over two, two and a half years. I was never a soldier there. I was a civilian by that time, working on contracts with different international organizations. But I talked with many Canadian soldiers. I have friends that served there. I saw some of them serving there while I was there. Some of those have gone on to write their books about their sort of perspectives, their memoirs. So it's it's wonderful to read their personal recollections of what happened. Uh, Christy Blatchford, who many of you know and love, uh, wrote a great book about uh, her time there embedded with Canadian troops. Other journalists have gone over there and covered and the reporting has been fantastic. But there's a different perspective that this book takes, A Canadian Army in Afghanistan. Its author is uh, Professor Sean Maloney, who is a professor of history at the Royal uh, Military College in Kingston uh, and the author of this book, and he joins me now. Professor Maloney, good to talk with you. Mark, good to be here. So you're a historian. Uh, You wrote this book based on your firsthand experience, which is probably something that most historians don't get much opportunity to do. Uh, like I ima- when I imagine what a historian does, it's sort of pouring over dusty tomes and sort of piecing together what really happened from multiple sources. You, however, were able to go to Afghanistan and witness history as it happened and record your observations. How is that must be a much different mindset from the average historian, but also from the average reporter who's thinking about, I have to file a story today. Your point of view would be different. That's right. In my case, I do. I use documentation as well. Um, but in a situation like they were dealing with a counterinsurgency war, and it's not just moving lines on a map like people would expect from the Second World War. We're 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 working with Afghans. We're working with the culture. We're up against an enemy that's that's hiding within it. The terrain needs to be understood. It's unique. All of these things have to be understood before you can write a narrative of this. And then the particular style of operations, and that'll change over time. The only way to really capture that is to go out and see it play out. So every time I would, I was there 11 times. So every time I was there, I'd select an operation while it's being planned so I could watch it planned. And then I'd pick a, a unit or subunit, go out on the operation and see how it played out and then be part of the the hot wash up at the end so I could see how people perceived it. So, um, yeah, in this case, with the changed information environment, you actually have to get on the ground and see what's going on. And writing this 
decades later from documents isn't going to give you the right feel of the place, and particularly the people. And you were asked to do this. You were commissioned by the Canadian Army to go and write this. I guess technically it's not an official history, but you were asked to write this. You were you were hired to write this and given extraordinary access, even to the point of flying in multiple times in air assaults and helicopters with the troops, you know, right behind the front line, like meters behind. Well, yeah, exactly. What happened was the first time I went over, I went over on my own. I was doing comparative study and stabilization operations, but I kept going back, and I got to know the place. I got to know people, and and then over time, eventually, I was asked. I'm a professor as a professor at RMC. I was basically seconded from RMC to the Army to do it, um, and so uh, yeah, I made sure I went. I went out and did pretty much everything everybody else did as much as I could. Um, Oh yeah, it's it's but it was it was quite something. It's it's a lot to handle, and then to watch it change over time, right? So I start going there in 2003. Last time I go is 2014. So history's change over time. You get a sense of how things are changing again every time I go over. So. And so how does that how does that make this three volume work of yours the Canadian Army in Afghanistan different from you know I mentioned soldiers memoirs reporters uh, memoirs their books about it yours takes sort of a soup to nuts front to back approach to it from a different perspective how is that important for us to read well, it, get, it gets into the how and why we were there and then how and why it played out the way it did on the ground and then all the things that we had to adjust to whether in a political dimension, social dimension, what the enemy's doing, and how that'll evolve. So people will be able to see uh, where they were if they were there. They, they, they can see where they fit in the larger scheme of things. I think it's important to know why we were there, just not what we were doing. Um, our relations with our, with our Afghan partners and with our allies are part of this as well. Um, but again, they, the, why we were there and how that changed over time is part of the part of the narrative and so to look at just what the troops are doing in the field you can't you you don't get that larger dimension as well and at the same time you don't want this to be a political history of people bashing it out in smoke-filled rooms right so uh, it has to be in this case as integrated as it can and it's a counterinsurgency war which makes it politically complex and socially complex so you were hired, commissioned to do this work by the Canadian Army. So the copyright, I imagine, is owned by the Crown. Uh, they've decided uh, to to publish 1,600 copies of this book, 800 in French, 800 in English, and that's it. I can't buy one. Why is that? That's a good question. There were original, the original plans were for distribution, a wider distribution. I don't know why those were not followed or carried out. Um, I was cut out of that decision-making process a couple of years ago. Um, I know that there were plans for a PDF, which has happened, but that's not the same as having a hard copy book, and everybody knows that. Uh, I don't, I can't account for what's going on inside the Ottawa bubble when it comes to these things. It's beyond me. Um, I originally had it back in 2013 to partner with a with with an academic press to do this, and it was uh, shot down. So I, I don't, I, I for the life of me, I cannot figure out why things are so difficult in Ottawa all the time over something that's relatively straightforward. I'm the author of 20 books. I've never had to wait 10 years to publish anything. When did you deliver the manuscript to this? 2013 is when the draft was completed. And the feedback from that draft? Oh, yeah. There was was outright interference with 
with that draft right from the beginning. And I had to counter that because the arrangements I had with the Army commander was that I had academic freedom. And I have that as a professor at Royal Military College. We take that very seriously. That was built into this. And there was there were a couple of individuals that tried to violate that, and I had to had to respond to that. So, and there there were different loci of interference over the years. Sometimes people with personal grudges, or or somebody being overly bureaucratic, or somebody being lazy, or somebody being malevolent. And this, in, in, it, the longer a project takes, the more of these people accrue, right? And so it's like friction. It must be frustrating. I know it's frustrating for me, and I just am a reader, but to have produced something like this, uh, an opus, and not to have people be able to read it, uh, I can only well, imagine your frustration. I mean, got killed over this on several occasions, and there's a lack of appreciation for that by some people in the system. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it is, they're, they're never underestimate bureaucracy. There's always somebody out there that's going to throw a wrench into it. Yeah, not one of them expose themselves to the danger that you did. Dr. Sean Maloney, I really appreciate your uh, time uh, putting this out there for us. No problem. I hope we can, again, the PDF is out. I think it's time to move on just getting a hard copy of this if people want it. I don't know how that's going to happen yet, but um, we shall see. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Good talking. Sean Maloney is a professor of history of the Royal Military College, and he was a historical advisor to the chief of Canada's army during the war in Afghanistan, wrote a three-volume history for the army. They hired him to do it, but they won't let you read it. This is an outrage. Canadian taxpayer paid Professor Sean Maloney, who is a professor of history at the Royal Military College in Kingston, Ontario now. He was the special historical advisor to the commander of the army during much of the Afghan war, and he was hired by the Canadian army to write a history. Technically, I think not an official history, but the only comprehensive history of Canada's war in Afghanistan, which was Canada's longest war ever. There are official government histories of World War I, of World War II, even of our involvement in Korea. They are often critical of commanders and decision makers because they're history. It's telling the truth. And people who read history understand that when decision makers in a wartime make decisions, they don't always have all the information. They make the best choices they can, but they're not always right. Just look at official histories of Canada's involvement in World War I and Defense Minister Sam Hughes and the Ross Rifle decision and the spades to dig trenches with holes in the middle so you could peek through them. Not a good shovel design, quite frankly. But, uh, you know, that's the reality of it. It's a book that taxpayers paid him to write. He would like you to be able to read it. I want to be able to buy a copy of this book and put it on my bookshelf. I know all my veteran friends would like the same. Would you buy one? 416-872-1010. I'd love to hear from you because the fact is you can't. I asked him, why can't I buy a copy of this book? That's a good question. There were original, the original plans were for distribution, a wider distribution. I don't know why those were not followed or carried out. Um, I was cut out of that decision-making process a couple of years ago. Sean Maloney wrote this book, delivered the draft 10 years ago. There was a lot of pushback on some elements. But in 10 years, they haven't published it. They've printed 1,600 copies, 800 English, 800 French, and they disappeared into government libraries where you and I will never see them. 
just this week after pressure from the media and you, they've published the PDF, an electronic file format. But I want to buy a book. The Department of National Defense told the CBC that they have no plans to support the public sale of hard copies because the King's printer, who owns the copyright, is not structured to be a public publishing enterprise. I want to read this book, and I have talked to a number of Canadian publishers uh, about this, and I know one at least, plus two others that are interested, but one told me outright they would quite happily take carriage of this book, publish it, print it, and sell it to you at no cost to the government. So here's a quick win for Bill Blair, who's an MP for Scarborough, by the way, also the Minister of National Defense. I know this wasn't your doing at the beginning, but it's your responsibility now. With a stroke of a pen, by picking up a phone, Minister Blair, you could release this so that publishers can print it and I can buy it. I think people would like to read it, would like to buy a copy of this. Do you agree with me? 416-872-1010. Let's go to the phones. Brock, would you buy a copy of this book? Absolutely. And I think it's incredulous that we can't do so. And do you think that's right? We own the book. We own the book. And if there's a royalty situation then that should be worked out and maybe given to charity, whatever the case may be. But the point is is that, as far as I'm concerned, the old adage, history repeats itself. And if we have the knowledge, then maybe we could avoid the same mistakes that we made there by reading this content. Yeah, and they say, oh, it's available in PDF, but frankly, I don't want to read a three-volume opus on PDF. I want to be able to leaf through it and put a bookmark in it and come back to it later. Well, there's, there's something very homey about that, and being able to sit around the fire with a book in your hand instead of a computer screen lighting up your face. Yeah, so you're down for, for buying it. If I can convince a, a Canadian publisher, if we can convince uh, Bill Blair, hopefully people will start calling his number uh, to get him to just, just say yes. Just, just let one of these publishers who would love to publish this thing and sell it in bookstores across the land, what bookstores yep. remain. I mean, I'd, I'd buy one today, right now, pre-order. Absolutely. Thanks very much, uh, Brock. If uh, you also would buy one of these books, let me know. 416-872-1010 is the number to call. Uh, Michael, would you buy a copy of this book? Personally, I wouldn't be buying a copy of this book. I'm just not interested in the subject matter. Right. But I, but I, but I feel bad for the professor for having, um, you know, all these years had the thought and, you know, with his original agreement that it would be distributed widely and it wasn't. And so I feel bad for him in, in that way. Um, unfortunately, you actually answered the question yourself, who owns publishing rights? It's the King's printer. So if that's now the arrangement, then he doesn't control his own work, right? At some point, uh, you have to figure some agreement was signed somewhere. There's some understanding who owns this property. And if it's the person that contracted him out to do it, if they now own it, then unfortunately he doesn't own his own intellectual property. And this kind of thing happens in academia all the time. Um, Someone controls whatever research you've done, perhaps, unless you're an independent researcher. Um, uh, You know, and in spite of that, it still is available. It's not that it's not available. It's just that the King's printer is not going to print it. And uh, they're doing that a lot. Like even within Ontario, lots of things that used to be able to go to the Ontario um, library. It was like the publications library for all government publications. Yeah. So and you, you get a hard copy of everything. And now you can't. Now it's yeah. all online. It's all 
um, you know, electronic. So, at least you could print this. You could take the PDF to Staples yeah. and print it. Let me ask you a, a quick binder. question, though, Michael. You yeah. and I are, we own the King's printer. So if if we could not have to pay, if the King's printer wouldn't, if it wouldn't cost them a dime, the professor's already been paid. No matter how many copies this thing sells, he doesn't get another dime. But uh, the King's printer, for free, could hand it off to a willing Canadian publisher who would publish it and incur all of the costs. Uh, yeah. As the owner, as as the part owner of the King's printer, I'm all in favor of that. What would you say? Well, tell tell me again. Okay. But it's all semantics, and I don't want to get into all this conspiracy nonsense on your show. It's maybe time for another show. But the King's printer, by definition, is the King's. Yes, but it's owned by, by the people of Canada. But thanks very much, no, uh, Michael. No, I appreciate you. No, 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 the King's. It is the King's, yeah. by definition. Fair enough. Thanks very much, Michael, except we own the King. <laughs> it's the government printer. It's what we call it. And uh, it's all, it, you and I own it. It's a taxpayer-funded property. Uh, the king doesn't spend a dime on it, believe you me. But, uh, so, I know Canadian publishers are willing to pick this up. I know that Bill Blair, by picking up the phone or, or nodding at one of his staffers, could make this happen. I think he should make it happen. I think this is an easy win for the government of Canada doesn't cost a dime. The work's already been done. The book exists. I agree. The King's Printer isn't in the commercial publishing business. That's an expensive business. It's a money-losing business. It's very difficult to make money in that business. But I know of publishers in the Canadian publishing business who have told me they will do this. And it won't cost the government a penny. It won't cost you and I a penny unless we want to buy the book. And I would buy the book. I love books. I love collecting books. I've got hundreds, thousands of them on the on my bookshelves. It's it's a, frankly I have a problem. I admit that. But you know I want this, and I think I know a ton of people who would want this. I know on the textport people would buy this. So let's make it free. What are you hiding? Like, what is in this book that scares the government, scares the ministers so much? I want to know that. And if they published it in PDF, well, the information is available, but give it to me, allow it to be given, sold to me in a format that I want. That's what I have to say.